We're talking about the wannabe rangers. And no, it's not that one episode where the monkey looks like the Power Rangers. We're talking about all the Power Ranger ripoffs. I'm Rhino. I'm Ken. And we are the wannabe podcast rangers. Rangers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Rhino, joined, as always, by the other host, as some would say, my co-host, Ken. One of those people is not me, but also I am Ken. Oh, wait, you're not my co-host or you're I'm not one of one the people, people who, who wouldn't would speak- say that I am your co-host? No, you'd say you're my equal, which is what co means. We, I should, shouldn't, when you say co-host, I always feel weird saying I am your host joined by my co-host because I feel like. We're, our titles should be we the are same. Your hosts is what you would be saying. Yeah, but then that sounds very like Children of the Corn, almost like we should be saying it in unison in the exact same tone at the exact same time with scary eyes. And Christopher mm-hmm. Reeve is like, "Get out of my head." <laughs> Christopher Reeve is in Children of the Dam, our Village of the Damned. Oh yeah, I am so sorry. That's what I was thinking of. You know what? Start the episode over. <laughs> <laughs> Scratch it. <laughs> Scrub this. We're done. <laughs> anyway. So we're here today to talk about all of the wannabe Power Rangers. I don't like saying Power Rangers ripoffs because I feel like some of these warranted, warrant that you know they were worth making in their own right. They weren't trying. They they mess. They weren't necessarily being like we're going to just steal the formula of Power Rangers and make this. They were shows that were like, well, we've got something similar. Let's try and do it. You know, right? It was reaching a different demographic for some of these. Some yeah. of them were trying to cash in on the same demographic. To varying success so i think that is a great way to put it actually so um i'm not saying we've seen them all i'm not saying we've watched them all but ken has seen and watched them all no um <laughs> it's actually not that far off but um i've seen a lot of these i w- i won't say that i'm a fan of necessarily many of them but a couple of them i am so right l- let's let's start back at the beginning um uh so there's one on this list particularly that i very much remember because when Mighty Morphin Power Rangers first hit the airwaves, there was just this like, you know, there was that craze that everybody here, you know, people fighting in, in toy stores and, um, you know, just like shutting down of the highway when they were at Universal Studios, all this thing. So it, it was a craze and everybody wanted to capitalize on this. So there were some early on, uh, uh, adopters will say of being like we're gonna we're gonna get into this and one of those is tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. Did you <laughs> did you this started in 1994 so Power Rangers had already been on the air for like a year. Why um did I think this started way later. You thought later? Have you Okay, I don't know if you out there listening have ever seen it, but do yourselves a favor and Google it because the photo of this is a nightmare that has haunted me since I was a child because it was in like a magazine with Power Ranger stuff and being like, or maybe that magazine was called um, TV Guide, but I don't know. Um, (laughs) But it had this scary picture and I think I still have it. And I was like, oh, dear God, what is that? What is this? to, To break this down, like verbally, as a visual it's very muscular people who are definitely not teenagers but they look like american (laughs) gladiators right um 
And I guess this would have been on or around the time that American Gladiators was also on TV. Uh, so you have four is four. Yeah, four, four. four. Um, and they're wearing like short shorts, like hot pants and like uh, no sleeves um, and belly shirts. Well, well, OK, so the men, the two men are wearing. OK, first of all, no sleeves allowed in this group. Ken is correct. Um, second of all, the men are are short shorts and um, like uh, those those kind of like uh, if you those karate boots, you know, those like soft spying boots that people can wear is what it kind of looks like or like athletic boots the american gladiator shoes um the ladies have pants on um and then one lady is that just one or two i can't tell these images are not great but one lady's got the two the 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 top you described the other one i believe has a full top no sleeves though no sleeves allowed but you are correct they are fairly muscular Go on. Tell well, me more. So, I mean, their masks also are not connected to their shirts. It's a nightmare. Right? Their face masks where it is. Okay. Their, so, hair, their hair comes out of the top of their mask. And yes. there's a silver plate around their nose and their mouth, similar to the ones from the original Mighty Morphin helmets. But it goes all the way up to their nose. And I don't remember because I haven't watched this since like it was on TV since like last Tuesday. Yeah, I hear you. Right. Um, did their mouths move? Did they just talk through their? No, 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 no. I, I yeah, the, I'm pretty sure those those metal mouths are not. They they're like the helmet. It's a protection. The, um, the one the one piece of guarded protection they're wearing is over the nose and the mouth. And their the eyes like the eye holes look like a ski mask. Like they look like they're going to like rob you. Yeah, this is straight up. They kind of they actually like if you zoom in and just on the faces, it actually kind of looks a little like strangers esque vibe. Like they're going to come out of the woods some silent night. But the other weird part is like, so we described the length of all these clothes. The outfits are like pleather. Yeah, it's like some sort of like shiny, like I would. Yeah, pleather's probably right. And like, I can see their bulges <laughs> far too aggressively. There not even just like a little bit. Yeah, that's the other yeah. thing. The thing I do remember from the show is like there were things that they were doing in this show where I was like, this doesn't seem appropriate for someone my age. Like they they had powers. And like one of the kids like made another girl's clothes come off, like just by thinking it. And <gasps> what? Uh, I don't even so remember. She's that. in her she's in her bathing suit. And I just remember like being very young and just like like my mom's gotta come in. I need to change this immediately. <laughs> well the the weird thing too about the show is like they're not even um it's like what you said. These are clearly 30 year olds, first of all. Second of all, um they're not like good fighters they don't they're not like oh you know like jason was leading the karate class and everything they're just jumping a lot and they're always on the same set they're on like a really cheap soundstage (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i mean if you if you ever watch like the the godzilla movies like the there is some craftsmanship that go into like the the miniatures of like the cities and towns and things like that same with like the giant like megazord battles on power rangers like there is some sort of like artistry there and this just seems like the most flimsy like cash grab thing it, 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 and it's also like 
Oh, okay. Let's. I'm going to read the plot of the show. Let me find a good, um, a good description of it. But um, it is clearly a Power Rangers ripoff because this is sort of a thing. Like they had a command center. They went into this like cave, and they basically this like glowing thing told them they were going to be heroes and they yelled out the signs of the stars that they were assigned to. And that's how they like, quote unquote morphed. But, um, let me find, um, I love how, like, if you check the Wikipedia article, it says tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills, sometimes abbreviated, abbreviated as T T A F F B H. (laughs) That's, you know, for shorthand. <laughs> oh yeah, I used to watch Tough uh, all the time. Uh and oh, you Ken has sent me the gif of that girl's clothes popping off. Oh my good goodness gracious. She is in her underwear, but like um for like a children's show, I was like that's this is wildly inappropriate. So okay, so I'm going to read you the full Wikipedia synopsis because um the one on uh, Internet Movie Database is a little low-budget kid show with four alien fighters recruited by Nimbar. The four are Gordon, Lori, Drew, and Swinton who fight to save the universe from evil Emperor Gorganus. That tells me nothing other than people were like, eh, what's the most bland? He wrote that himself. He's like, I don't like Somebody was like, what are the, what, what names has no one heard a teenager called before? Gordon? Swinton? I guess I went to school with a Drew and a Lori, so that's not fair. Um, None of these characters were likable, I'm pretty sure. At least the Gordon, I'm pretty sure he was a a jerk. Well, you may have guessed it from the title, but the show was set in Beverly Hills, California. The four central characters of the show were teens selected by a blobby alien named Nimbar to fight off the monsters sent by the evil Emperor Gorganus. Gorganus is intent on conquering Earth because it's the focal point of a network of power portals that would facilitate conquest of the galaxy. In the first episode, Nimbar recruits the four high school students and with a touch of his slimy finger, gives them each a special tattoo based on a constellation in the celestial sphere. When their tattoos flash, this means Nimbar needs them in the portal and a portal appears and they can pass through to enter his chamber. Nimbar is the head protector of the power portals. As such, he served as a Zordon-style mentor. The teens could stand atop platforms called, oh my gosh, Transo Discs. I, for some reason, let my my reading uh, disability get the best of me. And I was like, I thought this said uh, a trans disco, which makes no sense either, but I was into it for a second. So, so a transo discs, which teleports them to the scene of the monster attack and transforms them into, Oh, they're giants into giant muscular Ultraman style sleeveless spandex clad galactic sentinels who wear American superhero half cowl masks with Power Ranger style metal face paints that cover their nose, mouth and chin and their and when their acrobatic martial arts skills were not enough, they could put their hands together in an interlocking square and form the ultimate galactic sentinel called Nitron. Oh, I didn't even see Nitron in this, but in one episode, can you imagine being like, okay, in this ripoff, what we're going to do instead of Zords, they all combine by holding each other's arms. Anyway, in one episode, there was a replacement for Lori when she was injured badly by Predaraptor. Okay. Uh, he is Dwarf's character. <laughs> it sounds like an after school special. He is known as Orion in Sentinel mode, his true form. His civilian name was unknown in his duration on earth, but when Nimbar pronounced his name in an, uh, 
utteration of slurs and gur- slurs is literally what this said slurs and gurgles he stated with a sneer just call me rick he was played by kevin castro who played tanker in the related series superhuman samurai cyber squad they frequently yeah. could be seen in the cafe maison coffee shop owned by drew's actress aunt nicole nash um one interesting difference between the two shows what two shows between the two shows Super is that Samurai cyber squad oh okay the two shows is that in this show people noted they were missing when drew's aunt confronted her about this and drew revealed her secret she brought her to a psychiatrist to help her with her delusions it also differed from similar shows in that the heroes were not good friends and in that they sometimes had trouble getting along. The show also featured at least one episode that made a jab at the monster of the day convention by showing how tactically unsound the practices for conquering a planet. Gorganus went on vacation in that episode. His chief henchman Lechner tried to conquer earth in his absence. And when the monster he sent was about to be destroyed, he recalled it and sent another moments later. The heroes were nearly defeated until the main villain returned and re-implemented the monster of the day formula. The galactic sentinels must not reveal the true identities to anyone in the event that someone happens to follow them through a, a power portal. They will end up being subjected to the memory fader. Once the monster of, that Empress Gorgana sends is defeated. Wow. Wow. That sounds terrible. <laughs> did you get all like, did any of that actually make sense in your mind or does it just sound like words that are, it was, it, it sounded like somebody who watched one episode of power Rangers or, or was given about 30 minutes to come off with a ripoff of power Rangers. And they they couldn't think of everything. So they're like, uh, okay, well let's make the power chamber look weird. So these kids go up in the air. What if these ones just walk through the air? So they walk it's, through the air. It's like those Twitter bots that are like programmed and they essentially like make up things. Yeah, they on... ki- kind of sound human, but they're a little off. Well, it's or like they did like the Batman thing where like uh like a Twitter bot creates like Batman things just pulled from what people tweet or what it can ascertain from it. That sounds like what someone like some robot was just like, these all make sense together. This sounds good. Humans will like <laughs> I've done well. Um, well, so you know, that show was the longest running. Probably. How long did that show last? Six, eight seasons. Um, 32. Actually, it's still on. No, <laughs> um, 40 episodes surprisingly that's got look isn't that insane 40 episodes 40 episodes of power rangers because they have a bunch of like the footage that already exists and they just have to film like the kind of like pickups and the the unmorph stuff this is them doing all of this stuff i mean it basically had a new episode from october 1994 to july 1995 and do you think after like episode 30 they were like guys we are making it we're doing this did there was traffic stopped on any throughways in major cities or minor cities due to the tattooed teenage alien fighters from beverly hills do i think what like any sort of like they caused any sort of traffic issues no because no, because, uh, oh, you mean the kid, the actors? I was going to say, it's another dimension, silly. <laughs> but, um, uh, do you think that we'll see them at a convention sometime soon? 
I mean, I I think I read while we were looking up stuff on this, like the the Gordon carrot guy like posts stuff on Facebook, but that's about it. So no. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Someday I wouldn't mind cosplaying one of these, like <laughs> just being like, do people get it? Do people get it? Do they get it? And be like, I love American Gladiators. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we did mention one of the other kind of spinoffs, you know, um, and that was, um, I know I watched this one, Superhuman Samurai, Cyber Squad. Um, but this also had, you know, Matthew, Matthew Lawrence was in this one. Tim Curry was in this one. Let me read, let me read what this one was about. Okay. So this one went from September, 1994 to April, 1995. So, um, not. Not as long as the other one. Wait, how many episodes? Oh my gosh, 53 episodes. Good Lord, child labor laws were not what they should have been. Well, they also had a lot of uh, footage from the super highest stuff. From like the the other uh, show. Yeah, that makes sense too. You're right. You're right. Um, okay, so here's the plot. Brody, high school student Sam Collins is the head of a band called Team Samurai. During a recording session, Sam is zapped by a power surge and disappears, only to reappear seconds later with a strange device attached to his wrist, which at the time is unremovable. Later, after his friends Amp, okay, Amp, Sydney, and Tanker leave, one of his video game programs dubbed Servo is subject to a power surge and zaps Sam again just after he is remarked, cool battle armor this time the zap pulls him into the digital world and turns him into his creation as servo he roams the digital world and fights monsters called mega viruses meanwhile another student from sam's school named malcolm frank is designing monsters on his home computer when uh kilocon an escaped military artificial intelligence program that was presumed destroyed in the power surge visits malcolm via his computer screen kilocon strikes a Faustian deal with Malcolm. I'm sorry about that pause. It was highlighted differently uh, with Malcolm and turns his digital monster into a mega virus monster. These mega viruses are capable of attacking any device on the electronic grid, including the grid itself, internet or telephone network, usually having real life consequences far beyond what any standard computer virus would be capable of achieving. Well, it, you know, in the nineties, I guess, but Sam now as a servo must enter the digital world and stop Malcolm's and Kilocon's mega viruses. Sometimes when servo was unable to handle a virus by himself, himself he would call on the help of his friends using arsenal programs the arsenal programs could fight the viruses solo transform viruses solo transform with the help of other programs and attach to servo as armor since team samurai consisted of only three people at any one time excluding sam only three vehicles were available at any one time when servo linked up with these programs as armor he changed his name to either formo when combined with drago or synchro when combined with xenon respectively that is, man, the stretch they took to make the Japanese counterpart into American, mm. like to make sense in American. Like, it's culture. also like having that all broken down in like one text blurb. Like I remember watching that show a lot and much more recently also, but I wouldn't have gathered most of that. Like, I know the kid, the little evil kid would scan his pictures into the computer and Tim Curry would like they would go in and start attacking like power lines and stuff inside the computer, which then I guess equate to real power lines uh, or like, you know, communication lines. It was crazy that Kilocom was voiced by Tim Curry. Yeah. I mean, like this would have been around the time of like 
when he was doing a lot of that stuff. I guess um, like Fern Gully, that, you know, like the, the Nickelodeon stuff. Mm-hmm. You said Mighty Max, yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know, like I also remember that show being, uh, it was also like a cable version. Like, wasn't this on like TBS or something? Um, I don't remember it being on No, like, uh, I mean, I remember it. This was the show I watched like in the morning. It would be on before something. Let me see. Um, so Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad was made to capitalize on the upsurge and popularity of imported Japanese monster robot shows, which would be adapted with new regionalized live action uh, footage. The series development mirrored the creative construct established earlier with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Master Toy Licenses Playmates Toys funded the series interpolated American development via toy licensing rights and did a commercial buy-in on the Fox network where Haim Saban had established a kid's block with programs such as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and the 1992 X-Men cartoon. Playmates called upon the development team at Deke, which coincidentally was working with uh, Pangea Corporation, which assisted in the development of Deke's new kids on the block and Playmates earlier hit Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I did not realize this had anything to do with Ninja Turtles. I think it's just because Playmates, like, that's Playmates cash cow. Like, they still are only making money because of Ninja Turtles. Um, But the reason why Ninja Turtles, like, became so popular was because the they essentially bought the toy rights and banked on it. That's it where, like, was the so, popularity came from. So this was originally going to be called Power Boy, but was renamed Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad during production to avoid confusion with... Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Hmm. I was going to say to compete with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers because that was the whole thing. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I mean, Ninja Turtles started it with that name, but you know, yeah, that was the thing. You had it was like this. No, 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 no. You had to have the syllables, you know. Right. The. I mean, do you remember watching this? Like, I feel like the people ver- like the. I watched the it. Yeah. Pseudimation stuff was uh, much more like comedic. Well. Like, I remember thinking as a child, like that, that was one dimensional that like, I think it was maybe on in the morning before I went to school or something. And I remember seeing it and thinking, Oh, it's cool that that one kid has that thing on his arm that turns him into this power ranger essentially. And then he goes in the computer and fights the monster. But I was like, but they're always just in the computer and they're always just after like the power lines. So I was like, you know, some people might be like, oh, well, that's what Power Rangers is. It's just always a monster attacking the one city. And I'm like, well, there's more to it. You know, the Power Rangers have, you know, the monsters kind of the Power Rangers have a theme and then somehow the monster kind of ties into that. And this whole thing, you know, so but like with this show, it was like the kids always going in the computer. So it was like, why do I care? He's always in the computer. Right. I don't know. I just I remember thinking I knew who Matthew uh, Lawrence was at this time because he was, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire came out before this, right? Right. Pre Boy Meets World, post Mrs. Doubtfire. Correct. Um, I remember the toys for this, especially like if we're talking about Playmates and stuff. Like I remember these had some of the cooler toys of where you could get like the combiner things, like the armor. Well, I remember and- the arm, the the morpher thing, whatever that was called. Like the little like gauntlet thing. Yeah, the arm thing and it had like a button in the middle of it or something. Mm. Yeah, I the, remember that. Like you could get the different figures and like you would have servo and like his legs would like 
shove into like there was a dinosaur thing. It looked almost like a more robotic version of Grimlock from Transformers. But like you can combine all those stuff so you would get like way more armor. I don't know if they've ever made aside from like Kilocon, I don't know if they ever made any like monsters. Whereas like the Power Ranger toys, it's like you could get like the evil space alien labeled monsters, right? Yeah, I don't know if they there was a ton of like armor pieces like his buddy robots and stuff for servo like in different color version of servos uh, but I don't know if they ever made any other villains aside from the one but I don't know I remember these were and this will come up when we talk about like VR troopers and stuff but like KB toys uh, where I came from like they would do their three for ten action figure deals and like superhuman samurai squad and VR troopers and like a bunch of other stuff uh, were always in that bin. Like you can get them even when the show was like first out, you could always get them because they were just like trying to get rid of those figures. Hmm. That's funny. Do you ever think about stuff like that, that you saw all the time when you were a kid that you'd never like, maybe never even got, but you were almost now that you're an adult and you're like, I kind of want it just to be able to be like, Oh yeah, I have that thing. Yeah. I would buy way more like nonsense. Like I think when uh certain seasons of Power Rangers were on, they were doing the same thing because it was it had passed in the kind of like boom popularity and was kind of like in that little like um valley before it kind of like picked up again. So like the toys would just get transported to those same sort of bins where like they would have the Zords and stuff like way more discounted. Um I think like in a different episode you were talking about how like you had seen uh at a Toys R Us that was like going to be closing or something, you were like, well, I'll, I'll go back and get that. And then they just were not there. Well, yeah. So it's like, I, I always think I held that in the, this is not the next show we're going to talk about, but I held that Beetleborgs bonder, the data bonder in my hand and I never got it. And I remember being like, Oh, I mean, like I like the show, but I don't love the show, but let's go on to the other thing. Like, let's go on to the show that like, I feel like more, a lot more people know, We'll we'll start with this one and then we'll move into Beetleborgs, which is mm-hmm. uh, VR Troopers. Okay, I feel like talking feel about like VR. We are VR Troopers, supreme virtual reality. Um, so um, this was definitely like straight up. I mean, this was Saban's VR Troopers. So this was like, okay, Power Rangers works well. What's another thing we're going to use? And they adapted mm-hmm. another this uh, like, um what's it called? Like metal hero or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's like a larger umbrella, but yes, the space sheriff, something like space sheriff, Gavon and Shaban. And, uh, but like they all are under the metal hero umbrella, I believe. Okay. Cause I know that I think this like, isn't this idea still around though? Yes. Okay. Because these are, cause well, they're saying, I, mean, I, I think they're saying, well, I, I know actually maybe it happened in super ninja steel. They had one of them in it. Yes. One of the metal heroes. Yep. Um, okay. Cool. Sorry. Um, anyway. Uh, so, okay. So VR troopers, here's the plot. This was actually, uh, what's interesting about this show too, is that this was, you know, it had like Ron Wasserman worked on the music. It had Jeremy sweet working on the music. You know, these are people who had handed power Rangers. It was uh, Haim Saban, you know, Shuki Levy, um, and then um, Jason David Frank was originally Ryan Steele in the pilot. Um, or I don't know if that was his name in the pilot, but then that's when they were like, we got to bring back this green Ranger somehow we'll bring him back. And then we'll put Brad Hawkins over here. And 
um you know all this all this stuff but uh brad hawkins at that time was voicing or not at that time but brad hawkins did voice the gold ranger and power ranger zeo um so anyway the plot is that the show focused on three teenagers in their late teens so post school post high school right um ryan Steele, caitlin star and J.B. Reese, living in the fictional West Coast town of Cross World City, California. They regularly attended and were teachers at Tao's Dojo, uh, a karate studio. Ryan was the most famous, excuse me, was the most focused martial artist. J.B. was the computer wizard, while Caitlin was a photographer and budding reporter for the local newspaper, the Underground Voice Daily. One day, Ryan's search for his long-missing father led him and his two friends to a strange laboratory inside a digitalized head of Professor Horatio Hart, who is friend of Ryan's father, Tyler, explained the truth about his life's work having developed extremely advanced virtual reality technology in secret. VR is a dimension existing alongside our own within it lie mutants spent on conquering both worlds the main ruler of these is a creature known as grimlord who unbeknownst to anyone on earth has a human identity as billionaire industrialist car carl zichter as carl zichter tries to take uh, to overcome the barriers of true reality to allow his army's easy passage from virtual world. The responsibility falls to Ryan, Caitlin and JB of defending the planet on both sides of the dimensional barrier. They have assistance in the form of armored bodies, having incredible firepower. This included eventual additions to their arsenal, such as the turbo cycle, the techno bazooka. I don't care about all that. Um, they, uh, other regulars on the show included Zeb as Jeb, um, dog, the dog, yeah. Ryan's hound dog, who after an accident, Professor Hart's lab now has the capable of human speech. Um, Caitlin had a boss, Woody Stalker. Uh, wow, I just S T O C K E R, but you know, working in a newspaper, that's funny. Um, there was Percy Rooney, the local mayor's nephew, and Caitlin's bumbling rival reporter. And then uh, Tao, the wise martial artist sensei who owns the dojo and the family friend of the steel family and then uh grimlord had his general ivor colonel icebot disseminated the skugs and more throughout uh during the second season the show changed format very slightly ryan's father tyler was finally found and restored to normal then he quickly left to help the government research further virtual reality bs technology with him came ryan's new vr armor and an upgrade to his powers grimlord's base of operations switched from virtual dungeon to a massive spacecraft and added new genderals such as um oraclon despera doom master and his vixens the skugs now had the ability to become more powerful in the form of ultra skugs i remember when ryan steals suit like fried or whatever and became the other suit the blue suit mm-hmm. i i didn't hate this but i also now looking back never realized that when they so they had like two forms there was like there was that trooper transform you know the necklaces that they held up and they became their fully formed vr troopers but then there was that other remember that other like reality they fought in uh no but yeah okay they had all the red mighty Morphin power rangers helmet repainted that was their helmets I, I only recently learned this. It was crazy. I'd never noticed it before. PR troopers. Let me look it up. Wait, go on. Tell me about your thoughts about it. Uh, well, so my experience with this, like I didn't like it as much and I, it always felt like it was way more serious. And I guess like if they're, um, 
I hate that blue armor. The blue armor helmet is so stupid. Um, when they like go. Oh, you're right. Okay. Okay. Did you find it? Okay. Yeah. Where it just has like a little visor thing. Like it, it was like the, for the eyes. Yeah. The grid suits, but what the, the separation is only on his. The other ones don't have it. Were they all red Ranger helmets? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hers is like that too. Interesting. Um, but also not interesting, but well, that's where they would go whenever they fought the scrub, the whatever scrugs. Um, it seemed like way more serious. And I, I was just like, well, I don't really care about that. I guess like if they, if they were supposed to be older teens, like maybe that's also why I didn't care. Like I wanted someone like closer to my age or like who was still Ugh, in school. No, I didn't gross. want someone who was an adult. I didn't want Justin obviously, but like I wanted some, I was like, these are cool kids who are in high school who I can look up to. Not like, Oh, these people are like 40. Which everybody, when you're a child who is not in school, is like 40. I think there was something weird to me about Ryan's helmet because Ryan's helmet was like a face. It had eyes and a mouth. Mm-hmm. And like JB and Caitlin's did not have a face uh, or didn't they were like a visor and then just like blank. And Ryan's was always weird. So I think I actually liked his blue armor better. It's weird. I mean, like, I mean, I, it was cool because it was one of those things where you couldn't identify as simply with them. You couldn't be like the Red Rangers, my favorite. Yeah, because you know? they all have red on them or like. Yeah, they were all like the same colors. That's why it's red and black. Or do you mean red and white? Um, red and black. Or do you mean red and silver? Which one? <laughs> like, like uh, I also so like to get back to the toys. The one like, with I the face. The when this show came out, like the toys were almost right away in that like KB toys, like not clearance bin, but it's the, we have so many of these so you can get way more. I remember that it was on a trip with my dad to like a weekend trip. Um, we were, we just watched a movie, uh, probably Congo or something because in the same toy bin, this is heartwarming. They had the Congo toys and, uh, the shadow toys, uh, the Alec Baldwin shadow, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, I watched it. So the VR troopers were in there. I was looking at the Congo stuff, and I was like, I don't care about these, except I want the gorilla. The Amy. Hey, Good. Ugly. Gorilla. gorilla. Good. Mother. Amy, want blue drink? Um, But uh, I remember they were in there at the same time, and then I saw these, like, v- VR troopers, and I had no idea what they were, but I got the entire, like, I got JB and... uh ryan Steele and one of the bad guys all in one go and th- it was like nine dollars and that was like right before the show was like on because i remember i had them when they like the show was coming out i i remember always wanting the necklace because uh, i you know like i've said on the show before i always love the thing that transforms somebody into the hero and I know Starlight Studios makes it, and I, st- I still need to invest in one. I think, like, just recently they came out with, like, a newer version of it. Do you think they didn't... Did they make that as... F- they probably didn't, because, like, that's such a no, weird thing to sell. The only because, like, anything going around a child's neck, they probably want to steer clear from. Gotcha, kids. Um, no, it, um, <laughs> they... The only, the only version of it that they ever made was a McDonald's toy. 
huh. and it was a necklace. It had the snap, like, but it had a thing where you couldn't choke on it because the if safety you safety snap, yeah, it had the safety snap, but it had a, like a kaleidoscope was in where the gem would be. So you would hold it up to your eye and look through it. But I can't remember. Actually, you know what? Let me Google it really quick. VR Trooper. Um, Cause I want to know what the other toys were, but I had that and I was like, this is a prize possession. Um, and honestly, I probably still have it somewhere. Uh, let me see. It had, they had, uh, it was to promote, it was to promote his blue armor. I think like his changing stuff. Yeah. So they had like this little camera thing. Oh, there was a bracelet. It was like a watch or something that made no sense. Cause I don't think that was on the show. It was some glasses and the necklace. So basically the only thing anybody would want would be the, would be the necklace. McDonald's coming through with those toys in the nineties though. Good right. For you. Like, especially if they weren't like selling them. I don't know. Like that, I guess that was always like a thing where I was like, well, I was never going to get them. So the McDonald's ones are, yes, were coming in clutch at that point where I was like, yes, I could be this person. Yes, I will wear this to class. I'm too old for this, but I will wear this. If you absolutely insist. Um, so, well, let's move on to another one then uh, that we already spoke of, and that would be the big bad Beetle Borgs. Metallics. Oh, the Metallics theme song I prefer. Hmm. I like I like that one. I like both of the theme songs, but I like the oh oh. Actually, I think that that's only in Big Bad Beetle Borgs. I don't think that's in the Metallics. Um, and now they've gone Metallics. Beetle Borgs. Metallics. Metallics. There it is. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, no, like we'll get to it cuz I I have toy memories of this also, but all right, do you want to give the the breakdown of Yeah. Let me all do right. the let me do the plot. Um this is one of those ones where it definitely was a rip off of Power Rangers, but like you you spoke earlier about like it appeals to a different aged audience yes. and that is for sure. And this was definitely the younger the younger audience, I think. And so I was like my I have nephews that are um you know about like 10 years younger than me. And so they would come to my grandparents too. So I would watch it like basically be one of those things where like, Oh, I kind of like this, but also it's like a little too young. It's like, it was right on that line for me where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't, you could find somebody else who was watching it, but um, okay. So it actually has the breakdown of what I thought you were going to break it down. Yeah. Here we go. Season one and season two. So season one set in the fictional town of the, Charterville, three typical average kids, two siblings, Andrew, Drew McCormick, and Joe McCormick, um, uh, who's a lady, and her friend and their friend, excuse me, Roland, uh, enter the supposedly haunted Hillhurst mansion after accepting a dare from Rich Snob's van and trip. Uh, the house is revealed to be the home of real monsters and the likes of Universal Monsters. Um, and are set to eat the kids. However, in the midst of the chase, the kids actually bump a pipe or pipe organ, releasing a phasm named flabber. He proves to be friendly and in return for releasing him offers to grant the kids one wish. They wish to become their iconic book heroes, the big bad Beetleborgs. However, this also brings the Beetleborg sworn enemies to life. Uh, the Magnivores led by the evil Vexar who had summoned monsters from the comic books to battle the Beetleborgs. Roland's mom and dad run the comic book shop along with their grant, uh, his grandmother, Nano 
In a six-parter, Vexer created his own Beetleborg, Shadowborg, which was a match for the Beetleborgs and briefly took their powers. They had to call a temporary Beetleborg, White Blaster Beetleborg, Josh. Uh, and after Shadowborg was destroyed, Josh lost his powers. The Beetleborgs would meet the Beetleborgs comic creator Art Fortunes during the six-part story in order for him to create the White Blaster Beetleborg and the Mega Blue Beetleborg. In the penultimate episode of the first season, the Magnavores steal a picture of a new villain named Nukas from Art Fortune's office. They bring him to life to enlist his help to, in destroying the Beetleborgs. Nukas assists them by planning devastating attacks on the city and creating Borg Slayer, a hybrid of the Magnavore monsters. Unbeknownst to the Magnavores, Nukas was actually plotting to get rid of them. Nukas tells Trip and Van who are fleeing Charterville during Borgslager's attack to their father's country estate, <laughs> how to defeat Borgslayer and orders them to take the information to the Beetleborgs. They succeed in destroying Borgslayer, causing the Magnavores to be swept back into the comics. Now, that's season one. <laughs> season two. Nukas has challenged the Beetleborgs. Despite Art's warning that Nukas is too powerful, they face him anyways. Nukas uh, quickly wipes them out, destroying their Beetleborg armor, weapons, and powers in one fell swoop. Those events lead directly into the second season, Beetleborgs Metallics. Nukas discovers that his creator is actually Art's incarcerated brother, Less Fortunes. Nukas. Because he's less fortunate. Nukas busts Les out of prison and uses some of Les's drawings to summon his own group of villains called the Crustaceans. Uh, Les now serves Nukas by creating new monsters for him to use in response to the rise of the Crustaceans. Art creates new powers, armor, vehicles, and weapons, which Flabber then brings to life for the kids who rechristen themselves as Beetleborgs Metallics, hence the new title. The battle between the Beetleborgs and the Crustaceans would later escalate after the Fortunes brothers unburied a time capsule containing the Lost Comic, a story both brothers worked on when they were children. Said story featured the Astral Sword that could summon and control the almighty Roboborg. Uh, if one manages to gather the eight astral coins. Nukas summons his own evil team of Borgs from the Lost Comic called the Mantrons, while the Beetleborgs are reinforced by Astral Borgs. After a many battles, the Beetleborgs finally get their hands on the Astral Sword and all eight coins using it to summon Robo Borg, who soon after demonstrates his powers by sending the Mantrons back to the last comic. Do you want me to keep going? There's a little bit more. I'm finish it off, I guess. To fight Roboborg, the Crustaceans eventually created their own giant robot named Boron, while Nukas and <laughs> Villar gain upgraded megaforms as a response to Nukas and uh, Villar's new megaforms, the Beetleborgs were given an upgrade by Roboborg, who fused their Metallic's powers with their original powers, creating the Mega Spectra Beetleborgs. I thought that was supposed to be like the third season, but Villar's megaform did not last long, and he quite uh, quickly excuse me, and he quietly returned to his original look without explanation. However, Mega Nukas retained his upgraded look. The series concluded with the Beetleborgs gaining the enemy Boron as an ally, stripping Nukas of his greatest weapon during the fight against uh, Repgillion. Less Fortunes makes the decision to return willingly to Charterville Prison, disabling Nukas's ability to create new monsters out of illustrations. With no known way of returning the crustaceans to the comic book world, the Beetleborgs were left with an unresolved final battle uh, with what was left of their foes. So it just kind of ends, I guess, you know. Um, I looked up a picture of the Spectra Borgs because I was like, I don't know what that is. But uh, the green one just has like a cape with like one of those like cool drifter like face covering things. Have you seen this? No. All right. Hang on. Um, all right. So we talked about how uh, 
like, yes, the different demographics of this stuff kind of was trying to um, appeal to. Like, if VR Troopers is the older set, Power Rangers is kind of like mid-range, and like Beetleborgs definitely comes off as like a younger group. Um, I think I was past the point where like I had any interest in Beetleborgs, um, which is weird because I love comic book stuff and I loved comic book stuff then. So the idea that like, you know, so much of it is derived from this idea that they're pulling things directly from comic books. It just for some reason did not sit with me. But aesthetically, I love how the Beetleborgs look for the most part, like the the original three. And like, you know, Shadowborg is one of my favorite designs in general uh, or Speaking of general, General Vengex. Oh, um, uh, but I remember like when I was younger, I I had the blue. No, I think I I got a blue one at a garage sale later on. But Shadowborg was the one I had, um, and the white Beetleborg was the other one I had. And I remember I hated the white one because his little horn thing up at the top of his head would come off. Like it was just like one of these pull out pieces um, and his gun was like attached to his hand. And I think that was like for a specific line of Beetleborgs, their arms like after the elbow joint was like a gun thing that had like an action feature. But I always hated when you get got figures where you couldn't take the weapons off. They were just constantly holding these things like it was molded plastic. Um, but the Shadowborg figure was legit. He's great. Still great. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm actually, I, I've got my, I'm stalking eBay to get some Beetleborg toys. Like I kind of want, I want their, like the bonder obviously. So if anyone's got a lead on that, please let me know. But, um, it's, they're, they're surprisingly hard to come by. Um, yeah. But I I think it's got like a little bit of a soft spot. Maybe it was so ridiculous. Like the, the fact that it was like essentially a genie, I know it's phasm. So it was a ghost, but like, it's, like a ghost, but then I just loved, I kind of loved, it was like the monsters in the house were so stupid, but I also loved them all Mm -hmm. because it was the mummy, Frankenstein, Dracula. There was, you know, like the, the, uh, it just, it with those wolfy, like the wolf man, it was just some, one of those, like, what does that have anything to do with this plot of this show? But it was just so over the top weird, like that. It was kind of like, I don't know. It kind of worked. Yeah, I don't like there was also something weird about the the flabber thing where I was just like, I don't like he's he rubs me the wrong way. Um, wow. Well, I mean, agree to disagree. The. Uh, I don't know, no, like, the, no, are you the, flabbergasted right now? <laughs> I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Uh it's just interesting because like, I don't remember much of the action for this stuff. Like I, for some reason, I always remember it taking place in a desert field with like rows of Of, like corn, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then like the, the ships would show up like the little, like, cause they had vehicles, not necessarily like Zords that. No, I don't think, I don't even think they combined really. Um, but I don't remember anything from like, and there were also like worm things that, that like whenever they were in their vehicles, these like worm monsters would show i like the second season better because i think i liked the idea of like the artist and they were bringing it to life and like mm-hmm. as it went i don't know something about that but i i appreciated what it was you know um i would have kept watching it if it was another season i don't know that i'd still be watching it today because it would it definitely skewed so young yeah um you know and obviously not having a long-term plan but none of that did it was kind of just like throwing that 
pasta at the wall and seeing what sticks. Does it you know? say why the like young girl just gets replaced by a different actress? And I just something that they didn't she didn't want to do it anymore. Like I'm assuming her parents are like, no. There's ghosts. She, on the she was in Wendy and Casper, I think, or something like that. She was in another movie. Do you think she left to go do that? Like they were like, this is the Casper money. You well, Casper money. I think Hillary Duff is the main girl in that, but I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'd have to double check and I already mm-hmm. closed the window. So I'm not reopening it. The time has passed. Um, you've missed your shot. So, um, another, another one of these, like a straight off, you could argue not a ripoff, but, uh, or inspired by, but spin-off. an actual like spinoff technically is masked writer, right? Correct. With Dax. So this one, this one came actually, this one was in 1995. Oh my gosh. I didn't even say when Beetleborgs was on. Oh, well. Um, and this lasted for actually two seasons. It says for 40 episodes. I don't remember two seasons. He definitely mm-hmm. turns into a, like a gold master writer at some yeah. point. I feel like he does that way earlier in the season than it for it to be a two season thing. But anyway, um, I feel I don't want to read this whole thing. It's a lot. So, um, let me let me pull up another one because I'm like I'm not in. I'm just really four hours Beetleborgs. Beetleborgs, Yeah, and I feel bad. I basically just said the entire show, so it's fine. But but IMDb just says ready. Master Rider is a 1995 live action television series which serves as a spinoff of Power Rangers. That is not the plot. No, it's not. Okay, here we go. Plot summary. It doesn't have one. Okay, this is foolish. Um, fine. I'll just read the stupid, the stupid one from. I just lost it. Okay, here it is. The series begins. No, the series began with the main character Prince Dex escaping the plague patrol with a small group of Edenites. Yeah, because they're from Edenoid. Edenoid. Edenites, so they're Edenites, um, rebels before leaving for Earth. The next target of his sinister uncle, Count Dragon, who ruled Edenoid with an iron fist after displacing Dex's grandfather, King Lexian, who also gave Dex the Master Rider powers, but the powers came from as a mystery, although they have been kept for some time by Edenoid's champions. Arriving on Earth as a, in a massive crater, Dex finds himself in the care of the Stuarts, a multicultural excuse me, multiracial family, I don't know why that's relevant, consisting of a white father and an adopted daughter named Hal and Molly respectively, an Asian white why? And their adopted African American son, Albie. Why? What? The addition of an extra Stuart was not noticed by anyone, although according to Albie he and Molly are adopted. In, In Leewood, the town where the series took place yeah. Okay, whatever. Dex defends the town as master rider from Count Dragon and his vicious insectivores. Edenoi was featured in Power Rangers as the planet where Alpha 5 was created by Lexian, the Edenite's leader. Dex was dispatched to Earth by his grandfather in order to keep Count Dragon from taking over it. The scene in which Dex is given his powers by King Lexian, a scene which differs from the televised version, remains in the title sequence, possibly one of the few remaining aspects of the original pilot. Um, Dex's masked rider armor was also eventually given upgrades to change into mask Rider Super Gold, a gold and black uh, variation equipped with a powerful laser gun, the Ecto Ray, and the Master Rider Super Blue, a blue and gray variation of the power of liquefied teleportation and a powerful sword, the Blue Saber. Um, 
Edenites are descended from insects instead of apes. Dex is not aware that humans did not evolve from insects. Um, Edenites also possess telepathic abilities that are focused through a gem on their foreheads called mind crystals, which can be hidden telepathically, though in times of stress can become visible. Dex has a furry friend named Furbus, a small bear duck-like creature that followed him to Earth. (laughs) Furbus was kept hidden by Molly and Albie because... Uh, Hal was allergic to fur. Furbus is eventually revealed to the entire family during the course of the series. Dex is a locorious individual. I don't know what that word. That's a regular word. I should be able to pronounce it. In the first episode, Molly and Albie told him to speak like a regular person and that he could learn how to do that by watching TV. Sadly, Dex misunderstood and spoke the words he learned in the way that he had heard them. I don't know why. Does no one read these and is like, this is not a very good paragraph or as much information as possible that also isn't necessarily relevant. Yeah. I am honestly kind of shocked that this is on for more than one season. I didn't think this was very popular. This started with a three part power Rangers episode, a friend in need, um, which started, which aired in 1995. Um, the Power Rangers themselves were never mentioned in the Master Rider television series. However, Saban reformatted the series to sever links with, uh, however, see again, that sentence is incorrect. Anyways, it's Saban reformatted the series to sever links with Power Rangers. The Rangers did, however, make a guest appearance in Master Rider's short-lived comic book adaptation for Marvel Comics, as well as clips from A Friend in Need exclusive to the VHS release of the episode Super Gold. It's so strange. I, Did you remember watching any of this when you were young? Oh, yeah. I, I watched a little bit. Ectophase. Activate. That's what he said when he morphed. He had a belt. Yep. He wears I, something very similar to what the actor in the Common Rider Black. So, like, this is pulled from Common Rider. Common uh, Rider Black RX, I think. I don't know. Um, but it's... He was essentially wearing that white suit he wears all the time is essentially the same suit that the actor in there plays, which doesn't make any sense. Like it's irrelevant that he would wear the same thing because they do the Justin thing where they morph his body. Well, yeah, it's like. It's not really a suit, right? It's like him, a form of him, or is it a suit? I don't know. I don't, I remember watching this and being like, I don't like this show. I mean, it's not a very good show, like, especially having watched episodes recently, like, and like, I like Common Rider and I just, the show is, I don't know who it's for, like, because we were kids when this aired, we were in the prime Power Ranger time frame if it was season three, right? So, like, this should have been in our wheelhouse, but I feel like me and my friends were just like, no. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I can't really say like oh yeah i remember this person watched it and we talk about it or whatever like i remember it being on i don't remember the toys coming out like they exist and they were very similar to the power ranger ones like the motorcycle ones that you could get where it's like limited detail in terms of like their gloves and stuff like the paint missing and everything um but i never bought them like and i was buying stuff like Beetleborgs and VR troopers and superhuman samurai. Like that was, that should have been, I think they know. made that belt thing. He had too. maybe. I don't know. I just did that. Like Ecto, I hated Furbis. Ecto I still thing. hate Furbis. Oh yeah. Um, well, bear I don't duck. Know. That's a bear duck. Yeah. 
He's, I um, just thought it was like a fairy duck. I don't know. He's ugly as sin. Uh, I don't know. The show just seems like very odd. Um, especially I, from what I recall of like what I've seen of Kamen Rider Black or like Kamen Rider Black RX, like it's a much darker show. So it's strange that they would be like, this is the one that we're going to make for the kids show. Um, cause I do feel like this skews a little bit younger than regular Power Rangers too. Uh, but the monster stuff is kind of grotesque. Like, especially if you watch some of those like first few episodes, like the like insectoid, like sort of bad guys, like just have viscous sort of like things protruding from them and like, or they'll, they'll pull out different pieces to like Mm -hmm. use as weapons. And it's really kind of gross or unsettling. Almost like HR Giger sort of stuff. I mean, there's there's even like a clip of a bug kind of metamorphosizing in the first in the opening or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's dark and it's lightning and it, it's in a way where I'm like, that's almost scary. Like, yeah. I just I. It's one of those. There, I don't think there was anything about it that really clicked, you know? No. But um, let's let's move on to our next one that we have on our list here, which is one that came. I feel like when Saban basically was 100 percent. I don't know if Saban was always in charge of Fox Kids or something like that. But this was that like I feel like this was part of the last toward the end of the hurrah of of what was Fox Kids. Maybe, you mm-hmm. know, like during when it was still on after school during the week and you'd get, you know, four ep- or five new episodes of a TV show a week. Remember that it would be. The Monday episode would be whatever was on Saturday, but then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday got a new episode. Right. So it was like five episodes of Power Rangers a week. God, I was spoiled when I was a kid. And this is on. this is around that time that like in space, Lost Galaxy, like it was around that time. It was like, you know, the, the run up of in space, Lost Galaxy, Lightspeed Rescue, Time Force, like, you know, and it was just I, have we ever had so many consecutive things in a row so good? You know, I don't, I don't think so. But anyway, um, so here is the next one: the Mystic Knights of Tirano. Such a random, it, loosely based on actual Irish mythology. The name derived from Tirano, one of the other worlds of Irish mythology. It was Saban's first fantasy series to involve knights, dragons, and wizard, and it aired on the Fox Kids block uh, from September 12th, uh, 1998 and ending on May 7th, 1999. One wizard. Um, oh, a second season entitled Mystic Knights Battle Thunder was planned, but was later canceled in its budget was put towards Power Rangers Lost Galaxy and the English dub version of Digimon Digital Monsters. The resulting series was an attempt in doing an original non-Japanese special effects series rather than adapting the actual Japanese uh, Togosatsu. Wow. Hmm. Uh, I so- did not. Re- I, well, because Power Rangers in space, I think, was supposed to be like the last hurrah of Power Rangers. So they were like, oh, no, this is really popular again. Let's. Uh, that's hilarious. I didn't know that. That's crazy. So here's the actual the plot of the show. Okay, ready? On an unnamed island, Queen Mave of Temra seeks to conquer the peaceful kingdom of Kells and enlist the evil fairy Mitre, who gives her the mystical rune stone, allowing Maeve to use sorcery. Queen Mav mostly uses the rune stone often to create or summon monsters whom she sends to wreak havoc. When King uh 
Conchabar of Kells seeks a way to protect his kingdom. Protagonist Rowan, a druid's apprentice, goes in search of his prophesized hero, uh, Draganta, and his friend, the reformed thief, Angus. Later joined by the foreign prince Ivar and Conchabar's daughter, Princess Deirdre, they are drawn into Tirnano, whose King Finn Farah puts the group through various tests to determine their worthiness. The heroes having passed these tests, King Finn Farah gives them certain weapons granting control of the classical elements, fire, air, water, and earth. Thereafter, the four overcome Midler's evil sentinels, um, who are the recurring villains in the series, to capture corresponding suits of armor and oppose the various monsters created by Mav, uh, assisted by the winged fairy Aiden. Aideen. Subsequently, Rowan gains a new partner in Pyre the Dragon, who later identifies Rowan as Draganta. Later in the series, another mystic knight emerges in the form of Prince Garrett of Regard, he who joins the others after they free him from Mav's telepathic control. Um, I, I'm not going to read the last paragraph because it kind of is like more of a spoiler again. So, But my gosh, what a mouthful. I, you could be making all of that up. Oh, I could have just been like, oh, and the people five and hyben goes got out. M- Mugen Dugan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you watch this show? No. I think I watched the first episode and I was like, nah, not for me. It seemed like it was like very CGI heavy. And I feel like even at that age, I was just like, this looks bad. Uh, and, I also like maybe I like I was more interested in like robot like space suit things. Like. Well, yeah, you got to think of Power Rangers in space was thriving at this time. Like, and then they did another space themed season. You know what the like, clear delineation is knights, Irish mythology. I, I just it was like it's I. I also am not a big fantasy person, to be honest with you. Like I'm not, I don't love Lord of the Rings. Like everybody does. And, or some people do, I guess, but I am more like, I like Harry Potter when it comes to fantasy, because Harry Potter is grounded in our real world with like a hidden world behind it. I don't like, this is like too far gone for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not into that. I'm not into the knights and castles and all that stuff. No, I like, I don't know if they were trying to, because we were looking at this before and we were like, well, how close to this was like the Hercules stuff? Because the the regular Hercules and Xena shows were on around this time, right? Uh, yes, because this was 98. So and super yeah. popular. Like, I mean, I mean, they had young Hercules, which has the yeah. same people who played the young kids on it. So Plus Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Um, like, I just wonder if, like, they were also trying to, like, tap into that, like, okay, well, someone's parents might watch Hercules and Xena, and, like, let's give them a version of that. And, like, so they get young Hercules, but then they're also like, well, let's also do way more weird fantasy stuff. So, I don't know, like, obviously, I was never in a room to to see what those decisions were being made. I would have told them not to make this show, but uh, I just, I don't know, like... It's another one of those ones where it's like it only had one season, right? Yeah, but it was 50 episodes. This is. Yeah, it's insane. Is this it, is, it's all new footage. Yeah. 
Oh, it boy. just didn't work. It just didn't. The transformation thing didn't work for me being in like that night setting. Of course, now we're about to have a series about dinosaur knights. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but dinosaurs are cool. And also they're <laughs> still in like Sentai suits. Like, it was these just, just straight up colored knights. It it just was like. I think it was like appealing, you know, Power Rangers already at this time had kind of sort of, you know, not it was not as popular as it was when it was Mighty Morphin, but it still had a crowd. But it was, you know, you took what was if you were trying to capture a Power Rangers crowd, which was already becoming like a niche crowd, you were like, let's do a niche on niche crowd. <laughs> like let kids that are already ner- considered nerds for watching Power Rangers, let's make it even nerdier. Right. <laughs> like, what do you what do you think? Like, it, I don't think it was like. Uh, you know a sad thing i i hope that nowadays kids are just like like whatever you like because you should love whatever you love and you know i'm mm-hmm. persevered and i'm happy to where i am with power rangers i'm glad i never gave up just because of peer pressure or anything but you know it i just imagine somebody being like i like that show i like the show about the knights and the dragon and the witch I'm like this is up my alley yeah <laughs> I don't know. It just was a weird, it's like, I, I try to imagine me with the communicator. I tried to sneak into school all the time and tell people this is my watch. Um, so I'm, you know, the kid who was into mystic Knights is like, instead of a communicator, it's like an inkwell pen sort of thing. <laughs> I'm going to put exactly. this on a carrier pigeon. That's my scroll. <laughs> I only have the one. Um, so, uh, going to kill me. I I only just remembered this one today when we looked up a list of this stuff, but uh, there was also like another Saban um, attempt at sort of a Power Rangers-esque show. And they're like, all right, well, Mystic Knights, we went after like kind of, you know, Irish. And, you know, it was very uh, that sort of, you know, Knights and this stuff. And okay, well, the, like, like what the, they're like, what other cultures could we swoop in? <laughs> And there was a show, Los Luchadores. Um, So Los Luchadores is a Canadian-American live-action children's television series that played as part of the Fox Kids Roaming Block in 2001. Now, this show is only 16 episodes. Okay. It says the original languages are in English, French, and Spanish. Too many. Oh, it's terrible. I remember them, like, trying to market this, and I thought... I don't understand. They're wrestlers or they're, they're superhero. What? Like it was never very clear. So the series was about a group of Lucha Libre wrestlers led by Lobo Fuerte, who along with Turbine, Maria, Valentine and Lauren fought to protect Union City from a slew of different enemies led by the whelp and the bumbling antics of Mayor Potts. The series title is translators, wrestlers or the fighters from Spanish. I don't think it was translated. It was just called Los Luchadores for me. Um, but I also remember being like, I feel like this is an offensive show. <laughs> like it, lo- it looked like Did this get to the point where they made toys. Probably not. No, I, I doubt it. Um, I'm just uh, the protagonists for this series were three color coordinated Lucha Libre wrestlers who wore traditional Mexican wrestling garb that was given a Power Rangers makeover in line with the wrestling gimmick. The more futuristic elements of MMPR were toned down, but the paper thin plot lines over the top action sequences and goofy villains were all present. And how dare they? Theoretically, the show could have bridged the gap between the Power Rangers audience and the older WWE demographic, but failed to do so and canceled after this says 
and was canceled after two years on the air. But then on Wikipedia, it said it had 16 episodes. Why do those episodes take so long to come out? No, this is this is February 1st to July 1st. Good Lord. How did that? I, I, I rewatched a little bit of the first episode and it definitely seems very like, uh, I don't know. It, it seems weird. I, I never saw um, Nacho Libre, so I know. No, I mean, there was like a kid's cartoon that was like, so I I get that. But I also like, why would you mix that with like a Power Rangers type thing? Like, I don't think I, it was I, ever. Stepan was just that. grabbing at anything that was like, okay, teams that wear kind of masks and fight monsters. And then they were like, what can we do? I, you know, nothing has been as successful as Power Rangers. Saban even tried to steal the Ninja Turtles, as we recall. But we'll talk about Ninja Turtles in another episode. But there is one more. I this I don't think this should count because it's not really it's not by Saban. All, almost all of those shows we talked about, with the exception of like tattooed teenage alien things and maybe Superhuman Cybersum. Yeah, that wasn't. The, the, those are the other ones are Saban, you know, because so it was Saban trying to be like, I have this one thing that works. Let's see if we can get it to work for other stuff. Um, but Common Rider was attempted in uh, the United States, I guess, for a season, um, forty episodes, and uh, this was on the CW um, from December of 2008 to December 2009. I didn't even know about this. Like, wait, I was like, what? I didn't. Is the Dragon Knight one. Um, yeah, Dragon Knight. Okay. Um, while searching for his missing father, Kit Taylor finds an Advent deck, a special card deck that allows the carrier to transform into Carmen Rider and uses unique weapons and powers and uses it to become Carmen Rider Dragon Knight. He butts heads with Len, who serves as Carmen Rider wing knight but the pair join forces after kit learns that an alien warlord named xavier or xaviox is responsible for his father's disappearance and intends on abducting him and the entire human race to gain power and rebuild xaviox home world xaviox tricks people on earth into working for him by promising them whatever they want or in some cases by exploiting their fears and desperation so this is a, it's a whole bunch of it but i i never saw a single one of these things no this came out so far from when i was like I think into that stuff. I also did not like the like suit aesthetics for this one as someone who does like common writer, like the aesthetic of this one was just not for me. Like there's something about the kind of like grill, like eye covering thing. Yeah. Um, the common like aesthetic for any common writer stuff is this like very insect, like grasshopper sort of thing. And so well, they have like those segmented eyes, but this has like a covering over them. I'm like you're, you're less master writer is common writer, right? Yeah. 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 So that was the weird part to me too, that we'd already kind of ad- tried to adapt one of the versions of this. And I mean, I guess, you know, looking at him, he looks different enough, but not enough that like when I saw it immediately, I was like, Oh, it's writer. It's a writer series. And I was like, wait, is it, related somehow and i guess it's not really but it was still like it was one of those kind of weird things where i was like i don't i didn't hear about this but also it's bizarre right i don't know i just think like it it was trying to depend on like so many different like gimmick related things like because this was also around the time when like Yu-Gi-Oh or like Pokemon was like big so like the card gimmick and like the the game aspect of it like was tied into it um 
This cannot be. I just read this pre-show pilot. A pre-show pilot was filmed in 2006 featuring Matt Smith as Kit. Hmm. Like the Doctor Who Matt Smith? Matt Smith sounds like the most stereotypical name, so I don't know, but. Um, I, I'm sure there were people that liked this, probably more people liked this than they did like masked rider. Uh, cause I think there were in reading about this stuff after the fact, like there was like a much more cohesive, coherent plot and like stuff that went across the entirety of the, the series similar to like power ranger stuff, um, that you don't necessarily get, um, with some of those like mass rider, like even, I don't know, like tattooed teenage alien. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, it, it's one of those things where it just, it didn't have that magic of it. I don't know. There's just something I've seen like two seconds of like a preview or something. And I, at first I was like, wait, is some of this American footage or is this entirely dubbed? You know, it was one of those sort of things. Right. But, uh, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I put it on the list because somebody will say, oh, you didn't talk about this one. And I'm sure there's one that we missed too. But um, yeah, that's all we have. But uh, I'd say of these, of this list, I'd say that like Beetleborgs or VR Troopers is probably my favorite of the spinoffs. But mm. I don't know. I, I like Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad just on pure like look of it and Tim Curry. Um but I'd agree with the, the Beetleborgs thing. Yeah. There's something, there was something about like the aesthetic or the weirdness of Beetleborgs that I appealed, that I liked. And like VR troopers was so dark. It was like somehow if the two of those could have found the middle ground, which I guess the middle ground is power Rangers, right? You know, and they kind of leaned in either side, like you said earlier. But I mean, if you, if any of you out there, any of the five of you that listen, um, mom, if you remember any of these shows, uh, if you've got one of the favorites, I'm I'm curious to hear if you have one that you're passionate about or one that you liked more than the others. And again, I'd really like to know where I can get a Beetle Bonder. So anybody, Beetle Bonder, Data Bonders, I'm into it. I only need those. Um, and uh, yeah, so thank you, Ken, for having this conversation about this. Hey, thank you. Yeah, thank you everyone out there for listening. And uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode, but we will be back soon with another episode of Podcast Rangers.